This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by Fingertech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out Fingertech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. Fingertech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. Norwalk Havoc Studios in Norwalk, Connecticut, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind the bots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. I'm Kyle. I'm Evelyn. And today on the podcast, our interview with Deep Six Captain Dustin Eswine. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. Follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Before we get to this week's news, uh, I want to extend a very warm congratulations live to you, Chris and Lindsay, for uh, for your recent nuptials. You're you're now uh, newlyweds, so congratulations! Yay! Yay! This is now a family podcast. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Yeah, yes. yeah. This uh, <laughs> podcast is no longer living in sin. That's great. Um, so, uh, like, you came back from a really amazing honeymoon. Do you want to tell us anything about the wedding, about the honeymoon, about uh, I don't know, like uh, st- stuff, stuff, stuff. I guess people people want to hear about it. Yeah, obviously, the whole thing was very top secret. That's why we had it in your backyard. Um. And yeah, the the ceremony was really nice. It was a little warm, I would say, maybe a little bit more than some people would have uh, would have liked. But I, everything came out beautiful, and you guys helped us out so much. Um, so uh, we are uh, eternally uh, grateful for that. Um, we just uh, got back from Quebec City, where uh, Lindsay and I ate um, our our weight in poutine, uh, and we wrapped up our trip with a stop at. Uh, Bicoline, which is the Western Hemisphere's lo- largest live-action role-playing medieval fantasy festival. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? It's kind of funny. Like, I feel like people associate us with BattleBots, but we could have just as easily started a uh, medieval uh, D&D-themed kind of, like, uh, fantasy podcast just as easily. Um and, uh, you know, you guys are super into it. I'm like semi into it. Kyle's very deep into the lifestyle. I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> we could, we, we, for those of you out there listening in right now, Kyle is in full plate armor. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's true. Full French style plate armor with leather under ruse. It's great. Yeah. He forged it himself. He has to lift that. He has to lift the faceplate on the helmet every time he talks. It's really, it's really frustrating. It uh, it does make the microphone hard to use. I agree. Maybe maybe when BattleBots finally goes off the air for good, uh, we can we can just pivot the podcast. You know, behind the 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 Beacoline or something. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
All right, good. Um, awesome. Well, uh, again, congratulations. Like, just absolutely wonderful. And uh, I'm so happy for both of you. We all are. And uh, and I love you. So that's that's awesome. Thanks, Luke. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have three news items for you today. First up, BattleBots Champions is back in action this week with our third qualifying event with bots Dragon Slayer, Uppercut, Ice Wave, Free Shipping, Gruff, Glitch, Retrograde, and Mammoth fighting in a special one-day tournament. The winner of that tournament will advance to face this week's mini-boss, Victor Soto, and Rotator. The episode will air Thursday at 8 p.m. local time on the Discovery Channel or very early Thursday morning on Discovery+. Plus. A number of BattleBots teams listed Battle Damage robot parts on eBay this week, including Malice, Madcatter, Ribot, Valkyrie, and Pain Train. Pain Train is auctioning off this week's coolest merch item, an autographed team vest worn by team captain Evan Arias on Season 6 of BattleBots. Look for links on each team's respective Facebook pages. And finally, let's head over to New Zealand, where the team behind Endgame just launched a new merch store where you can buy, among other things, a black blazer with the team's logo on the back. Endgame famously went all black in Season 6, sporting black t-shirts, black suit jackets, and futuristic sunglasses. The new jackets are currently on pre-order and cost roughly $250 each. Look for the link on the team's Facebook page. And that's it for this week's news. After the break, our interview with Dustin Eswine. This interview is brought to you by MaxAmps and the company's new exclusive line of combat robotics batteries called Max Combat. Max Combat battery packs are built in the U.S. and designed for both durability and performance for combat robotics. Max Combat batteries come with custom wraps, including your team's logo, internal hard skins for extra protection, puncture-resistant wire sleeves, and a custom metal Max box for charging and storage. Check out the Max Combat section at MaxAmps.com. This week on the podcast, we have a very special returning guest, Deep Six Captain Dustin Eswine. Dustin has made a name for himself as the king of big weapons, putting as much weight and power into his weapons as he can. We're looking forward to hearing all about Deep Six and his latest Norwalk bot, Depth Charge, in the hour ahead. So welcome back to the show. After being our very first ever guest, Dustin, how are you, buddy? Great. Uh, thanks for having me, Kyle. We are so glad to have you. I was not uh, a member of the podcast when you were on. Um, you, uh, you were the very first guest ever on this podcast. I was just a listener back then, but happened to be living in the same town as all of these guys. And I am so happy that I get to talk to you. I fully credit uh, this podcast, Behind the Bots, with starting the Deep Six Hike Train back, way back then. And uh, it's cool to be a part of where you guys are headed to the future too, man. Like, this is great to talk to you. Yeah, it was kind of cool to see both of our uh, advances in parallel, you know, uh, mine with uh, upgrading the bot and you guys with upgrading your podcast. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> um, all right. So I wanted to talk to you first and foremost about the the here and the now, what's going on at this moment, BattleBots Champions. Uh, literally the best afterthought tournament that anybody ever had. I am having a blast watching these episodes. There's been two now. Um, this was week two of the filming, right? So this is after you fought Pain Train, Smee, and Minotaur. 
What shape was your bot going in to BattleBots Champion into this grueling one-day tournament? I'm going to be pretty honest. Like, at the end of the main tournament, like, we didn't make it. You know, we we had a really disappointing loss to Smee where we just got stuck in the floor. Um, yeah. Our, uh, our, our loss against Minotaur was pretty disheartening. You know, like, one hit and we got stuck in the wall. And uh, I was pretty upset at the end of it, honestly. Yeah. And I mostly attributed the failures to my driving. Like, the robot was fine. Like, like Deep Six was working good. But I had something in my head where I was like, all right, Deep Six is a big weapon. All I have to do is stay pointed at them, slowly advance, and drive cautiously. And I should be okay. And yeah, that was that was just the completely wrong strategy. So I was like, all right, we have this second shot. They, they came up to us and they're like, all right, you have a chance. You're in uh, the Bounties or Sin City Slugfest. It has three names, Bounties, Sin City Slugfest, Champions. It was really confusing <laughs> at filming. <laughs> um, but uh, all right, we got a second chance. And I'm like, I just need to get out there and drive aggressive. And uh, yeah, that did better. Uh, it clearly did. All right. So let's get into this term. So first of all, this all takes place in one day, right? They filmed this whole thing. You're frantically getting the bot ready between these matches. The further along you go, the more work you have to do. It's crazy pants. Um, so they give you this epic fight, this like dream match of a fight, something people have been talking about since Huge and Deep Six were both competitors. Uh, you're going to fight Huge. You're going you're gonna to fight Jonathan Schultz. What, what was going when you're, through your mind before this fight? Uh, what was your strategy going into it? What was your thought process? I mean, when I saw this on the card, I was pumped. <laughs> and I have to imagine some of that energy was like going through you guys as well. Oh, my God. I mean, like they're literally the perfect opponent for us to win against. I mean, it's, they're, they're teed up right at our, our height. And uh, the, the huge guys are awesome, but they really got screwed with this matchup, to be honest. You know, someone, <laughs> I think someone had it out for huge, you know, because they had all these giant verts and then like they, they get out of the main tournament and then they get us. So it's like all giant vert, verts that can reach their body, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a, a perfect matchup. And we had just came out of uh, the Minotaur fight where we uh, got backed into the wall, roof shot at ourselves and got stuck on the wall. And we always knew that was going to be an issue with the Reaper bar, which is the one that has those big spikes on the tips. Yeah. Um, and we knew with Huge that was going to be a big problem if we ever hit their wheels. So we switched to the asymmetrical bar, uh, which has a lot less sticking points, you know, because we knew we were going to hit their wheels at some point. Uh, and that Reaper bar would just get stuck and then we'd be like entangled for the entire fight and that'd be boring. So we're like, all right, here's our chance to test our somewhat experimental uh, asymmetrical bar. Um, it was two pieces of bolted together steel, so not as durable, but it was really only for like uh, other like big verts. Like that was the thing uh, with the asymmetrical. Um, uh, yeah, and that turned out good. It, it seemed like, um, like the showrunners had a really good time, the selection committee, I should say, had a really good time this season pairing bots against the exact opposite type that they could fight and win against. Um, and this was definitely the case here with, with you guys versus huge. They were just like, all right, 
a huge is really good against these small, tight, compact four-wheel drive vertical spinners. Let's put them up against this thing <laughs> and see what happens. <laughs> um, it was yeah. such a good fight. It's not like they had no chance, though. Like, if they got you on the side or if they, they came in and hit one of your top plates, that would have been lights out for you guys pretty quick, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah. Well, let me tell you what. That, that big hit that they got on us, they sheared both of our uh, high-speed side belts. So Deep Six has two, uh, two types of gear ratios. On the one side, you see the chain. And on the other side, you see the two belts. Um, and when we did that big hit on them, they sheared both of our belts and destroyed our super expensive uh, aluminum pulley. Um, so you can see after that hit, we were only spinning slowly. Um, and it looked like we still had like some weapon operation, but that was only the uh, self-rider motor that was operating that. And then another hit they did, they took out one of our, uh, one of our supports. So they, I mean, they were honestly like inches within destroying us, you know? Yeah, that, they were getting I mean, so hard this season. Yeah, that's combat robots in general. You know, they they had really good. They had a really good strategy against us. They had the a bunch of Tegras stacked up on the bottom of the bot, um, and it actually did really take the hits well. Like you can see a couple like uh, bites where we actually hit them, and it just took the hits. Um, and what really uh, did them in at the end there was we hit directly on their weapon hub. Um, during that big like roof shot hit there and uh honestly it's it's a huge testament to how good huge is because i would have not guessed in a hundred years that they would have held together like that is such a such a, a strong bot and such a hard thing to get done like it's literally just held together by a shaft yep. there in the center you know it's it's pretty incredible how how well they've gotten that machine to work yeah it's a it's a fascinating design they there's I know there's a lot of fan conversation nowadays talking about how, uh, you know, they've peaked or whatever. I don't think we're even close to watching huge peak, right? Like we saw a smaller version of them uh, win over at Norwalk Havoc not too long ago. The bot itself is getting better and better every single time. They, I think they got a, a tough draw this season, just in general. Well, yeah, here's the thing. I think BattleBots is afraid of how well they'll do against, like, the small compact verts and stuff like that. Yep. It's because they'll they'll probably beat almost all of the, the more compact verts. Um, the only reason they didn't win against Riptide is because they had a, a belt slip issue. That's right. Um, but they're, they're, they're trying to even things out. That's why they put them against robots that can hit their chassis and stuff like that is because they don't want a full-on slugfest against one of the top-level verts with huge, you know? Yep, yep. It's unfortunate because I think a lot of the fans would want to see that. You know what I mean? They, the unconventional designs are always the fun ones. That, that's the one that gets everybody talking, gets everybody's imaginations going. Um, and I, I think if they randomized the fights, like if, if instead yeah. of uh, like selecting the fights, I think that like it did make sense when they were randomizing fights in or not sorry not randomized uh when they were selecting fights in the beginning mm -hmm. to get two entertaining bots against each other that made sense in the beginning but now all the bots are optimized so much that i think you could just randomize who you're fighting in the fight night format and it would probably be a lot better yeah i think you're i think you got you're right especially at the beginning when you know People were like, hey, my bot is not armored at all here. Please don't put me against that competitor. Um, uh -huh. That's not the case anymore. Yeah, we don't have right. those complete control style robots where it's like the old style of armor because the builder just didn't 
didn't really know that that everybody's kind of upgraded since then. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. All right. So speaking of unconventional designs and general awesomeness, let's talk about the boys from Brooklyn. Shatter. Okay, so <laughs> you've been friends with this team for a while. Um, they have an amazing robot. The design of this robot is gorgeous. The way this bot moves around the box is just incredible. What was your thought going into this fight? Did you have a sense that you could win this thing? Were you like, oh, well, this is the end. We've got no top armor. They're just going to destroy us. What was your thought process? Well, a, a brief history with them. I think uh, Mega Melvin at RoboGames might have been the first heavyweight robot that I ever saw. Um, and this was back when I had a I had a 120-pound robot, and that was my first combat robot ever was a 120-pound combat robot. And I think it was their one of their first full combat events. And they were pitted kind of right across from me in the pits. And I got to see what like a real heavyweight looks like, you know? Um, and I took a ton of inspiration from them. Like uh, I use the exact same motors and speed controllers as they do because uh, they're super powerful. They're super compact. And I, I saw that from them. Um, so I, I did. I, I got a ton of inspiration from them. Um, as far as the the fight, um, we were cautiously optimistic against them. I mean, it's it's. <laughs> I mean, so it was going to be a matter of chance, I would say, because um, we have no top armor at all. Like literally, they could hit us almost anywhere. I mean, we have holes in the top of our chassis where you can see the motors throughout. Um, if they got one hit on us, we could have been dead you know um and to counteract that i was just like hey i'm just gonna drive as aggressively as possible get on top of them and the getting on top of them actually worked pretty pretty cool in a sense um and that was something i was going to attribute into the the new deep six design a little bit but yeah i think the 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 reason that we won that is because we were aggressive we were on top of them and then also adam the madman just kept firing his hammer Right into the weapon bar. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's awesome. The, the way that he drives that hammer and has like a, it, it just no disregard for his own hammer safety. Like it led to such an entertaining fight. And I think that's, that's the best fight I've ever been in, in my career. Like the way that like both robots kept working. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Two heavy hitters that kept working the, that whole time. It was awesome. I, um, all right. So how was your feel like at the end of that match? How were you feeling about it? Oh, crazy. I mean, uh, they cut all our post fight interviews. So that was a little weird. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I talked about it a lot and, uh, like even going three minutes was a big deal for, uh, deep six a little while ago. Like the huge fight was the first fight where I think we went the entire three minutes. Um, yep. And then we did it again in, or no, not, we didn't go entirely three minutes, but close in the shatter fight. Close, yeah. Um, oh yeah, I was, I was flying high at that point. You know, that was awesome. I mean, it's <laughs> the best the robot's ever done. And they were just, yeah. at, at the end of the day, win or lose, they were just really good fights. Like I could have lost either of those fights and been extremely happy just because finally I got the chance to show like, were more than just that gimmick because before it was just like yeah one hit and we're falling over and that's kind of cool 
but I'd rather do that over and over and over again. And that's like what we got to show with those, those two fights. Yeah. And against top notch builders, top notch competitors too. I mean, there's, there's nothing, uh, nothing cupcakey about huge or shatter. And you put on an amazing show against both of these bots. I mean, like, as a longtime Deep Six fan and a huge fan of your self-writing mechanism, by the way, like I, I remember when you were testing that and figuring that whole thing out and kind of getting that together, watching it just, just you didn't even have to question it. It was just working. Like it just did the thing. <laughs> it, was, it was just like, oh. I'm so happy with how that uh, writing mechanism ended up working. It's because like I, I did so much research. I'm like, is there anything off the shelf that could like work for this? Uh, like looking at normal spray clutches and stuff. And at the end of the day, I just had to go completely custom. It took, you know, tons of testing, uh, getting the geometry and the speed perfect. Um, yeah, custom ratchet clutches, things that fit within the weight limit and all that stuff. And like seeing that work after, you know, you know, months of development was, was uh, really, uh, really emotional and really uh, cool to see it all come, come to a, uh, a success. Yeah. And throughout this tournament, it just it looked like you would not have noticed it if you didn't know where the bot came from, because it just it just worked, just functioned. It just did the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, so then let's get into your your most competitive match of this tournament. Mm-hmm. You had to go up against the uh, the, the new WPI boys, right? The Ribot boys, mm-hmm. uh, David Jin and team. Uh, this is, I mean, top-notch competitive robot. They went the entire regular season without really facing a spinner, mm-hmm. which was bizarre this year. And then in this tournament, they have to go up against literally the biggest spinner. Um, so what was your thoughts going into this match? I mean, this is just an athletic bot. There's no other way of describing it. They're fast. They're extremely maneuverable. Their weapon hits hard. Uh, they're high voltage this year. What was your what was your thought process going into this fight? Yeah, not to mention extremely professional, like uh, well put together and all that stuff. Uh, so looking at our entire bracket, um, they were the ones that we were the most worried about, and they were the ones that we would have put our money on winning. Yeah. Um, they were the most like put together. Like like we we would have felt confident against anyone else in the bracket but ribot um mainly because of the thing that ended up doing us in is their driving um and their durability um and their ability to adapt obviously so yeah they they were they were definitely the ones that we were most worried about going into it and then we ended up having to fight them and uh i was just like ah well all i can do is spin up and try to hit them and uh yeah, they just outdrove the crap out of us, yeah. you know. And that's, I mean, honestly, that's all they could have done. And a lot, a lot of people uh, criticize them for not being aggressive uh, and trying to hit us. But then, like, they would die. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it makes sense what they did. Like, if you want to beat Deep Six, you do exactly what they did. You you just keep trying to drive around us until we make a mistake, and that's exactly what happened. We uh. I think I think we did a pretty good job of keeping on them. I was trying to, I kept trying to box box in and drive in on them, um, and they would just escape. There's one moment where I almost had them, and I actually did a decent amount of damage. And I got really close to damaging their weapon shaft, but I didn't. Um, and then yeah, I made one mistake, and they were just on me like that. And uh, 
Yeah, no, they, they, they crushed it. Excellent driver, excellent yeah. machine. Yeah, David Jin, phenomenal driver. The team, it, like you said, just super professional. Um, and those guys, they grind. You know what I mean? They're at every single tournament they could possibly be at. They're working their butts off to improve their small bot. They bring that experience over into their big bots. They, they just they have no quit in them when it comes to this sport, and it is something they are all very dedicated to. And it shows. It shows in their performances every single time. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I don't know. I think, I think if I had a second shot against them, though, I could get them. I think yeah. I could get them next next time <laughs> yeah i want to see it i i think it's hard to outdrive david Jin, but you're right you know the, you can't make a mistake that, that's the thing you just can't make a mistake and then you have a chance exactly all right so now that you and i always like asking this because right it's been months since you uh participated in these fights looking back at the episode did you see anything that surprised you did you see anything you didn't remember was there anything that was like oh wow that's how that went i i don't remember it like that at all oh yeah uh i didn't know that we did the backflips when we fought ribot <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I that fight was a lot more more dull than i thought um and like yeah the, the way that you remember things never like turns out but yeah we did those backflips um and then, yeah, they, they did have some weird editing in the Shatter fight, which was kind of funny. Uh, I saw a Reddit post where it was like the Undertaker thing where they had them stuck in the corner after that big hit where we shot across the arena. And then we were like right behind them. Um, hindsight with the Shatter fight, I probably should have gone in there and tried to take them out a little bit more, uh, you know, seeing it on the camera. But when I was in the arena and I saw it, um, I thought they were dead initially, but they were kind of bouncing around with the hammer. Um, so I, I, I probably should have hit them a couple more times and taken them out. And that probably would have been a cooler finish. But yeah, you're also thinking about the, the tournament as a whole and not wanting to, you know, waste your bot when you don't have to. I mean, that's the big difference, I think, between the main tournament and this event is you've got a day, you know what I mean? It's, you don't, you don't have the, the multiple hours or the multiple days in a row that you might have in the regular tournament to fix your bot. Um, it, you know, you watch the way that like Donald Hudson drives in the normal season. And then you watch how he drives in one of these tournaments. He's much more cautious. He's much more reserved. Well, he also, he also going into it, I think had three complete uh, That's right. robots. Like he had three complete fully built, Lockjaws, <laughs> ready to go, and that was going into uh, the bounties yeah, at the end, at the very end. Yeah, totally crazy. But crazy, <laughs> yeah. But uh, <clears throat> I mean, I it, it was my team, you know. So we we had two chassis, mm -hmm. um, and the chassis got super messed up in the huge fight to the point where we stripped it down and had to reweld uh, some components. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, cause we did get really messed up in the huge fight. Like we had to redo our hub. We had to redo uh, one of our chassis. Um, so as convincing of a victory as it might have looked, like it was so close. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was all my team, you know, uh, Andrew, Brad and uh, everyone else. Uh, they uh, they crushed it. You know, it was just the, the turnaround time working on the broken robot and having the other one because we were alternating robots between fights. Um, but yeah, they crushed it. Um, did you like the, uh, the, the Kenny commentary about how you, you swapped out your, uh, your, uh, your Navy team members for engineering team members and it worked out for you? They are. The, yeah. They, they said it again. You know, they said the so they, weird, right? They said, the, they said the brains versus bronze thing again. I'm like, come on, <laughs> come on guys. You know, like 
Like, uh, <laughs> these, these guys are smart, but they're handsome too, you know? Come on. <laughs> also, another thing I need to bring up is Brad and Andrew are so massively tall that they make me look tiny on TV. <laughs> it's actually kind of hilarious. It's really funny. All right, so uh, let's talk about the the future, the future of Deep Six. Um, so we're in the off season, have been for a while, and uh, everybody's kind of making preparations for season seven. So, what is the news on Deep Six heading into season seven? What's going on with the bot? So we had a lot of big plans for Deep Six, um, and we we're basically just learning what we we took. You know, it was going to be a lot more durable of chassis. Um, some other configurations that let us ride on top of component or uh, opponents and stuff like that. But um, we were actually rejected for this season. Uh, we applied and we were just told by uh, the producers that uh, Deep Six does too much damage to the floor, um, even though they increase the thickness. Um, the problem is we were like doing big dents to large floor panels. Um, and that was affecting fights after us. And it was also destroying their turnaround time. Like uh, after our fights, like we have some pictures of it. We could see people in the arena, you know, just grinding down where we were doing damage. So we we're doing a lot of damage to the floor. And they also brought up some safety concerns about the Lexan um, and stuff like that in case we got flipped up and stuff. So, yeah, ultimately, uh, Deep Six is retired right now because we weren't accepted into the new season of BattleBots. Yeah, I don't know why they would be concerned about a bot you build damaging Lexan, though. That's very strange. <laughs> um, so, so, they, so they've rejected Deep Six. So what is your plans for Season 7 just as a, as a builder, as a, as a guy? Well, so we do have a new robot. Um, I... I I'm not going to be part of it as a team captain. I'm too busy in my normal life. I have way too many children now. Um, <laughs> but my teammate Brad is going to be running it. Um, and this is all uh, still up in the air yet. Nothing's crazy official. But we are working on a new machine. Um, as much as I'll tell you about that is it's... In line with everything else that I've designed, it has a gigantic weapon, um, and we are trying to uh, hit the limits on everything. Yeah, gigantic weapon, a lot of speed, and uh, trying to maximize damage. Nice, without potentially threatening the Lexan to the floor for some, in some way. <laughs> yeah, 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 at least not intentionally. Right, right, of course, of course, yeah. Um, that's crazy news. So that's breaking news, by the way, right here. So, uh, obviously, <laughs> breaking news. You heard breaking it here news. First. You heard it here first. So, uh, has this bot been accepted yet? Um, I I am not going to say yet. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. I mean, fair enough. Um, and so this is an as of yet unnamed bot, and you will not be captaining because, uh, from what I understand, you are now at a one to one ratio with adults and children in your family. Exactly. Well, we're going to be outnumbered. Uh, the next set, we have one kid right now and we're having twins next. No, so the ones that are upcoming are twins? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. yeah, you instantly, uh, you, you like, you did the fast track to, uh, to, to overshooting the ratio. That's crazy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's a lot. 
It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Wow. Well, congratulations. That's amazing news too. That's awesome. Man. Thank you. Um, so what are your reflections about your time with Deep Six at BattleBots? Like what did you what did you enjoy the most about it? What did you get the most out of it? Um, it was a I mean, I actually talked about my teammates with this a little while. Like the first, the first deep six was a wildly uh, horrible machine. It was like we showed up to the competition. We were like 270 pounds, so we were like massively overweight. We destroyed ourselves in the test box. Uh, I was the only one on my team that could work on the robot. Um, it was a little bit of a, uh, of a nightmare. Um, but by the time we ended up showing up for the most recent season, uh, we were a lot more refined, you know, like teammates that were, uh, really intelligent and really helped me out a ton. Um, the machine was a lot better for, for considering what it is. Uh, it was significantly better. Um, but uh, I'm I'm happy with the run. I'm I'm happy that we got our together in the Bowing Hunters, um, and we're able to, uh, you know, uh, actually uh, show what the machine is capable of. Um, but I mean, we did we we do have a ton of iterations. Like the new Deep Six was designed, um, and it would be a massive improvement over the current version. Uh, it is a little shame that we won't be able to show it, at least until. Uh, someone else builds a, a strong enough heavyweight arena yeah well that that's in the running possibly i mean i yeah. don't know if the robo games arena could actually handle deep six to be fair i i have thought about robo games a lot but i i mean d d d based off of what robo games arena was last time i was there i competed with 60 pound deep six and man that arena was pretty uh pretty shady <laughs> I, I i honestly i don't i don't think it would be irresponsible of me to even bring deep six to robot games uh i heard the i heard the arena is upgraded though um so i can't make any judgments on it yet i do i, I have heard that it is upgraded so uh maybe depending on what they uh put on it yeah i mean get the specifications as soon as you can on that because i think a lot of people <laughs> would love to see that for sure for sure um, all right, so speaking of you causing people to upgrade their arenas, let's talk about depth charge. Yeah, depth charge. All right, so we we <laughs> somehow qualified. I think we qualified in the worst way possible. We we <laughs> we lost both of our fights and qualified. <laughs> so it's yeah. Well, you happened to bring it to the event where there were like the least amount of thirty pounders. Right? I know. So you were able to like. Yeah, that was. I, I wish I could say that was my strategy, but that was actually just luck. Um, <laughs> it just happened to be the weekend you were available. Well, it was terrible because, like, I I did put a lot of work into rebuilding. I mean, not that much work. Like, Trit Triton is only like one one hundredth of the amount of work that like Deep Six is. Like, Triton is literally just sure. a motor and an ESC. I think that's kind of why I built it is because it's a stupid machine. Like, it's a stupid robot, and I just thought it'd be funny. Um, so I did put some refinements in, like I made it better than the first one. Cause, oh man, the, the first time I brought depth charge, I was literally running on like 48, 50 hours of no sleep. Like I literally, I got home from work. I finished the bot. I left my house in Virginia at like midnight. And then I drove to Norwalk 
slept for like maybe I think 45 minutes in a parking lot. And then I arrived at Norwalk and started competing. So like that, <laughs> that was wild. And you could tell, like I had literally exposed wiring on the outside of the machine and everything. It was horrific. <laughs> um, but then the second time, like I had two full depth charges. Uh, the wiring was routed nicely. It was all compact. Um, and we just did worse. So <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I had some issues because the whole new first depth charge was a, a new one. And I, I think I had some belt tension issues. Um, it just wasn't spinning up right. And then it smoked an ESC and like that was it. Um, yeah. But then, yeah, we had a, an entertaining rumble. So I was happy about that. Literally the most entertaining rumble we have ever seen at Norwalk. Um, awesome. Yeah, like Norwalk always does, you know, and a lot of competitions do this. Once you get towards the end of the night, Everybody has 20 minutes to work on their bot between championship rounds, right? So when you get towards the end of the tournament, like uh, there's a lot of dead air. There's a lot of dead time where you're kind of waiting for bots to be fixed, waiting for bots to be ready to be, you know, those 20 minute time limits to be up. There's a little bit of drama in the will they, won't they get their bot back together? Will they get the top league screwed on in time? But other than that, it's a lot of waiting. So what they do is they fill that time with crazy rumbles sometimes those rumbles are like let's see how many three pound robots it takes to destroy this uh you know 1995 computer console or microwave mm -hmm. sometimes they put a bunch of three pound bots against a 30 pound bot or a bunch of three pound bots against a 12 pound bot or whatever in this particular case it was some of the best beetle weights in the world uh going up against death charge <laughs> oh and let me tell you what those those absolute maniacs that would do that like like let's get those are the real heroes like th those people uh and uh i i, I actually I, I don't think i got to talk to all of them because before that fight like they were already and they were waiting for me and i was scrambling to get my <laughs> robot together after it got like messed up in my last fight so i was scrambling and like those i mean all those beetle builders were awesome they got all their robots together just to fight me like they were such great sports and i'm i'm just glad that turned out entertaining uh yeah it was highly entertaining i think one of my favorite clips from it is when you um when your bot like kind of reared up and then landed on top of robert runs uh bot and launched it into the walls and then you cut a hole into the plywood floor that looked big enough to just swallow a three pound bot hole uh <laughs> like you like literally oh yeah we, we ran across the arena and then it was just the perfect one in a million shot where we flipped over and landed yes. on them directly <laughs> and they just went flying that was so cool it was and like watching it on slow-mo it's hilarious because even on slow-mo like the bot's there and then a second later it's just a shower of sparks and nothing <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and actually he that that robot actually yeah it uh, kept survived. functioning after that uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, and he he uh, he gifted me the chassis wow, afterwards. Wow, so that's uh, really cool. A signed, signed chassis, and that goes in the that's collection. awesome. Yeah, Robert does amazing work at Norwalk. I absolutely love the bots that he puts together, and that bot's doing really really well. Um, all right, so the time before, so you brought Depth Charge to Norwalk exactly twice, and both times created viral content. Uh, the first time you brought that thing to Norwalk, you broke the box. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. so tell me about like how that felt in the moment. Tell me about how that felt like right then and there, you know, you're, 
you're at the uh, at the box. This was not on your side of the box that it broke, but you could see what happened. What was going through your head at that moment? So first of all, the Norwalk Arena is extremely impressive. Like it is, yes. it's, in terms of design, it's much more impressive than the BattleBots Arena. Uh, the way that it's built, uh, and you can switch up panels and stuff like that. Very, very impressive. Um, and people were coming up to me before the fight, uh, or like even seeing Depth Charge, they were saying like, "Oh man, I this this robot looks like an arena breach." Like I had multiple people come up to me, and I'm like, "Ah, whatever." Like I I didn't I didn't think so. Um, I I really didn't expect for that to happen at all. Um, and then uh, yeah, we were in the fight, and it was doing its thing. It was spinning around. It it was pretty unimpressive because. I was just using really soft bristles at first, and uh, it just wasn't moving uh, really well at all until they finally, uh, James got behind me. Um, and instead of lowering my RPM like I should have uh, when they started pushing me towards the wall, I'm just like, no, nah, this is great. I'll just keep my RPMs up, hit the, hit the wall and see what happens. And uh, then we all saw what happened. Um, well, yeah, I saw the hit, um, and I, I immediately, I was afraid that it had gone through, uh, both layers. I was worried about that because there's two pieces of Lexan. So I went right and, uh, shut off the weapon and all that. And, uh, then I think, uh, I think Jim or someone came over and like, they put their hand there and pushed down the outside layer. So we're like, oh, all right. The outside layer is still intact, so we're good. So then it was kind of, kind of fun at that point. You know, it wasn't scary yeah, it was, anymore. It, it's always hilarious when nobody's actually a danger. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. So like, uh, so two things that I want to kind of cover for for listeners that may not know. So, Death Charge is a bristle drive, um, which means it doesn't have a drive motor. It doesn't have an active drive system. Essentially, you have bristles that you can angle in a direction that will make the bot go forward when your weapon running. Typically, like, right, is that, a, is that an accurate description of bristle drive? Yeah, yeah, let me explain it. Some people get it a little confused. Yeah, basically the, the bristle drive, it, it's kind of like a one-way, one-way check valve of sorts. Um, and just the vibrations allow it to travel forward slowly. Um, and basically all I have to do is travel forward slowly enough to not get counted out. Um, and then in terms of rotation, I kind of try to keep it at like a mid-level RPM. And then to accelerate, I can ramp up my weapon speed real quick and I can turn left. Or if I want to turn right, I can slow it down really quickly and turn right. Um, <clears throat> it, and it works, but it has its issues. Sure. Um, our, our, mo our mobility was a lot better. Um, I did a ton of testing. Um, and that was kind of the, the folly of depth charges. I was like, this is going to be the most simple machine possible. It has one weapon, one motor, one ESC, and one battery. It's going to be so easy. And that was the whole point is I want to make something ridiculous and easy. But the hours of testing, like I, I tested tons of bristle types um, and on different surfaces. So like I, I actually made like a plywood floor. Um, I made test discs. Like they look like pizza cutters. Uh, so I can test it safely without like worrying about destroying anything in my garage. Um, so I did all that and like 
basically the the time I would have spent like designing a proper robot, I actually had to spend in testing with <laughs> to actually like get it to move properly. <laughs> so yeah, hindsight being what it is, maybe yeah. I should have built something different. But I, I figured out the TPU bristles work the best. Um, at least the ones I tested with different densities and stuff like that. Those work the best. And uh, yeah, so it's coming along. Um, we qualified. So um, I think that it is going to be at December. Um, I can't operate it because of my kids are supposed to be born around then. Right. So right. that's the you're right around the due date at that point. Exactly. So I I have the new uh, depth charge designed. Um, it's designed and ready. Um, but I will have someone else running it. I don't know who's going to be running it exactly. Um, I think it might be either Brad Hanstead from my team. Yep. Or maybe someone else, another one of my friends. But uh, well, we're always short on judges, so don't take Andrew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I need I need him to uh, make decisions for me, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's how that works for sure. <laughs> it's an important part of our strategy. <laughs> well, I mean, that would have been the case, except for uh, I mean, do you think you won that match against Chains? Yeah, well, it, I mean, we, we've talked about this a lot. Um, it's the the here's the it's the the folly of using a mini bot. Everyone wants to play this game we're like oh we're escaping the rules by putting a mini bot in and they don't want to accept their mini bot took damage you know right uh because that's because you get that extra bonus for your robot for a reason right and if you put this little vulnerable walmart walmart toy into the arena and it gets completely destroyed you know that's damage yeah exactly you're not immune to that um so yeah i i do believe that there was no real controversy with that fight. Um, yeah, I mean, no, not at all. Not at all. All right, so let's ta- go on to listener questions. So we have some listener questions from Discord. We have some listener questions from Facebook. So this one's from Maddie from Team Fluffy Robotics. Maddie wants to know, when it comes to robot combat, do you think you are a masochist? Uh, just for the definition for everybody out there, a masochist is a person who enjoys an activity that appears to be painful. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, both a masochist and a sadist, you know, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I mean, we like to do a ton of damage and it damages us mentally when we're designing the robot. Um, yeah, like you said, you were trying to build something easy with depth charge and then next thing you know, you're R&Ding for hours and hours and hours trying to get the thing to work. So, um, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, all right. So at, what did you say? Like, uh, I remember on, on the first interview on this podcast, you were talking about how the 60 pound version of deep six would ping pong around the arena and you didn't have to worry about itself writing because it would just kind of bounce around until it would land on its wheels and then it would roll around. Well, then when you brought uh 250 pound deep six into the battle box and it just stuck into the floor, you were like, oh, that's not that's not what I wanted. <laughs> that's not how, what I intended at all. And then you had to go into this whole complicated self-writing clutch system, separate motor, like whole other thing. And that was another like hours and hours and hours and hours of, of time put in. Um, it does seem like you want these ridiculous ideas and then they end up being causing problems that you just like, you really have to dive deep into the research mode to solve. 
Well, what I do is I set a goal. Every build that I have, like I'll set a goal. Like uh, with with Deep Six, it was a I wanted a 100 pound weapon bar and I wanted it four foot in diameter. What do I need to do to make this work? Like how reasonable can I make this machine work? And then BattleBots forced me to scale it back to 80 pounds, and that actually opened up a lot more. And that's when I was able to develop the self rider. Um, so basically, in all my builds, I want something that is uh, crazy, and then I build the rest of the machine around it. Mm. So that yeah, the deep six was like it needs to be a four foot bar, and it needs to weigh the maximum weight. Um, and I need to figure out how to make that happen with depth charge. Uh, it was I want it to weigh twenty pounds, um, and then just whatever. Um, so I I. I that's kind of how all my builds work. And it doesn't necessarily have like, I, I am known for like the big spinner thing, but I do like a lot of the other machines. Like I did design a 30 pounder that was like a, a 20 horsepower drive. Um, so I might bring something like that in the future. Um, but then I would have my standard, like I need the drive to go X speed, no compromises. I need to make that happen. Um, so that's kind of where all the struggle comes into is because I set these stupid expectations where a normal builder would be like, I'll just reduce the weapon size by a half a foot and then it'll work perfectly and I can make it way better. Whereas I don't do that. Um, so that, that brings me to an interesting question. This is from Mr. Fluff. As the most overkill spinner in BattleBots, I'd say that's debatable, Mr. Fluff. Uh, who I don't think the D6 is overkill. I think it is exactly a kill. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, who do you think is the most overkill non-spinner in robot combat that follows the Deep Six all-weapon philosophy? Um, non-spinner. Yeah, it just goes all out. I I really like a lot of the machines that have like the insane drive power. Uh, like like uh. Calvin's robot uh, mixtape um, yeah. with the fire. Um, fire is really something that's been really underutilized. Um, and I, I think that's really cool. I do really like the high, high drive power uh, machines. I think it would be really cool to have something with like a ton of drive power behind it. Um, and that was really cool to see. Um, I mean, in terms of like not spinning weapons, blip is amazing. Um, yeah. You know, like the like and talk about like I mean the the stuff that I'm doing is you know peas compared to like what they're doing. Like, I mean, they're using ropes, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no. Not even ropes, like weird kind of ropes, yeah. like synthetic rope technology. Using that's magic, just well they're using magic made. ropes and lube to flip. You know, like <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, the only way they can describe it on the show is a trebuchet because they literally have nothing else to describe it with. And that's not even close to accurate. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst part is like, that's not even right. You know, like that's not even how it works, you know? I <laughs> uh, love it. Yeah, I agree with that, with the, the extremely powerful drive. Like a uh, box rush from Claw Viper is so exciting. It's so exciting to watch that thing smash into another bot just face first it's fantastic claw viper is amazing uh they had such a short build time this season uh i can't wait to see what they come back with you know they're going to come back with something awesome 
Yeah, and I like uh, I like the four bar. I think it's cool. I think you know, obviously, they need a little bit more bite out of it, but it's a really cool design. It's a really cool idea. It's super cool, and I, I just I just like something that can just like just keep smash, smash, smash someone into the wall over and over again, and just completely dominate <laughs> with power. Um, all right, so we have a question from Sawblaze Captain Jameson. Go. How deep does a deep six deep if a deep six is six deep. Uh, I don't know. I'm not much of a riddle guy, to be honest. Uh, we, uh, <laughs> I mean, six, six, does that work? Six, six fathoms. Six fathoms. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I could see that. That's <laughs> it. We used to, it was actually pretty funny. The first, uh, for season four, when we, uh, did that damage to the arena, we actually went six inches deep into the battle box floor, which was kind of funny. That is really funny. All right, that brings me to a great question from speaking of Links Builder and Mixtape Builder Mad Catter Driver Calvin Eba. He says, has Depth Charge put a bigger hole in the plywood floor at Norwalk or is the hole that Deep Six put in the BattleBots floor bigger? Oh, yeah, the BattleBox floor is much bigger. It's, uh, <laughs> well, it, it, I actually, so I never actually got to look up close at the, uh, at the ones during the most recent season, I think the arena crew was just too pissed off at me to let me back in there to see that stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, during, during the first season, we were just doing so much damage and punching huge holes into it. I, uh, I, I really think the arena crew entirely resents us because it's just horrible what we do. Yeah, that's really funny. Like the first year it was a novelty. And then this year they were like, come on. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're hitting the floor more than once now come on guys <laughs> you're hitting the floor more than once in a fight Before it was just like, oh, one whole fight you know no big deal now it's like come on um all right so now we're gonna go to uh your three pound counterpart division builder bloodsport team member seth schaefer uh dustin you were obviously the inspiration for division with both your 60 pound and 250 pound versions of deep six it was an honor to get to meet you in person and talk to you at NHRL a few times, and it was awesome to see how insane design scales so differently at different sizes. With Robo Games returning, do you have any plans to make another run with a lightweight version of Deep Six? Ooh, this is a good one. Oh, I would love to. It would, uh, man. I I think that 60, 60 pound is like the perfect weight class because it's something that one person can work on by themselves, like. You can work on it. You can lift it up without destroying your back. Um, and they're also like at the sweet spot where they do a lot more like physical damage than uh, a 30 pounder. So I think 60 pound is a perfect weight class. Like I would love to rebuild 60 pound deep six because the, the original 60 pound deep six had a, a slew of, of problems. I think that uh, what I learned from the heavy, I could really apply to and make a competitive 60 pounder with that would be a lot of fun that would be a lot of fun speaking of which are you interested and this is also seth chafer are you interested in scaling depth charge to either smaller or larger weight classes um and you know this there's a couple of other builders that had similar questions i think they're just worried about you making a depth charge in the three pound division well i would like to scale depth charge up i always like to scale things up you know <laughs> um and uh, that's something that you might see a little bit from our new heavyweight. Um, I would like to introduce bristles into the heavyweight scene. Um, I don't know if that's actually going to happen with 
battle bots per se yeah but i'd uh i, I want to bring some uh big horizontal energy i think that would be a lot of fun yeah i don't know i mean you obviously wouldn't get a weight bonus with bristles yeah so i i don't know if it's worth it without the weight bonus yeah um because you know you, you can make a drive train so lightweight nowadays like uh like i think our drive train in total weighed you know around maybe like 20 pounds per side something like that so like you can make a drivetrain so light and to sacrifice driving for bristles doesn't make much sense without a bonus without a big weight bonus yeah which you wouldn't get at BattleBots. maybe at robo games we haven't seen the new rules yet so right but then there's so many issues uh with uh heavyweight bristle bots um when it comes to resonance uh the rigidity of the floors and stuff like that um Kind of sounds like a nightmare, but it may be a nightmare that I'm into. Yeah, I was going to say, you kind of like nightmares, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so let's uh, go into some Facebook questions. Um, let's start with one from Alexander Archer. Even though Deep Six didn't win the, uh, the right fight, uh, the right to fight Lockjaw, are you still impressed that it defeated Huge Shatter? And who are your f- clear favorites going into that fight against uh, Lockjaw? Who did you think would be facing him at the end of that turn? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I think that we could have beaten Lockjaw. Um, I think that we, we would have been able to take them down. But yeah, definitely, uh, as I said earlier, Ribot. Ribot was by far the most competitive robot, I think, in our uh, bracket. Yeah, I mean, clearly. Just scary, scary, powerful bot. Um, all right, so his next question is, what is it like being a Navy diver? Uh, well, it's it's very different uh, depending on where I work at. Like, uh, so my first, uh, the first place I worked at, I was doing like special operations stuff uh, with submarines, um, uh, missions and the like. Uh, my second command, I was doing uh, mobile diving and salvage. So salvaging things that sunk and uh, deploying to foreign countries and dealing with embassies and stuff like that. And uh, my current job, uh, we do underwater uh, maintenance and repairs. So when an aircraft carrier or a submarine uh, needs a propeller changed or needs something changed, uh, then I go down there and I dive and I fix it. Um, so it's it's a it's a lot of uh, really different work. So I have to learn to take that on. Um, but I like the challenge. I like the mechanical nature to the job. Um, but I also have to move every three years. So I'm about two years into my current command. So I'm going to move to uh, a different place here in a year. So uh, we'll see. It's a, it's a cool job, and uh, I get to uh, see and do a lot of cool things. Yeah, you do. Um, his next question is one that we covered last time you were on the pod, but as that was forever ago, let's go ahead and ask this again. How did you get involved in robot combat? Uh, well, so I I used to be a car guy. I really liked the like i I really like the mechanics into it, like the nerdiness and stuff like that, and honestly, I was just on YouTube and I got into a YouTube rabbit hole one day, and I started seeing these videos for uh Robo games, like these retro robo games, and then uh the 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 other older stuff um uh, what was that older heavyweight event like there was one in uh orlando um Robot Conflict, right? Was that it? Was that it? Uh, uh, so there's so the heavyweight event down in Orlando is a um, 
it, it's a oh it, i was i was uh, sorry I, i'm thinking new orleans uh Ah, yes, that was Robot Conflict, I believe. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that stuff. Oh, the RFL, the Robot Fighting League. I, I saw, I saw. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I was watching a ton of Robot Fighting League videos, and then I, yeah, I, I saw that, and I'm like, this is incredible. And I'm like, man, this was a long time ago. And I, I, uh, I realized it was still happening with Robo Games. Um, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, I gotta get into this somehow. I'm like, this is so cool. Um, and then I decided to sell all my like race cars and car stuff. And I bought some wheelchair motors and I made a robot out of like wood. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I got this to work. And then I uh, built my 120 pound robot and that was my first robot ever. And I took it to Robo Games. That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, all right. So then this next question comes from Mario Cast. He says, great performance at the Slugfest this season, Dustin. What type of metals are you making your blades from now? Uh, just AR, AR five hundred. So that's the standard like shooting target steel. Um, it it's it's really good uh, in terms of like ease of workability and uh, just enough durability for what we need. Um, with as large as our bar is and as much like torque it would take on hits, I don't think S seven or anything would work like that. So uh, yeah, all all AR five hundred. Um, his next question is, were you excited that BattleBots made a rule change based on your past blades? Yeah, it was pretty cool. And it, it gave us an excuse to uh, put more reliability into the machine. Yeah, which was, uh, I think, a, a, an intended consequence of the rule in some ways. Yeah, because otherwise I would have to somehow figure out how to put a self-rider in it and also have the bar weigh 100 pounds, you know? That would be crazy. That would be really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so. Uh, lastly, he's asking you where you would, um, if you would ever protect your tires in future updates, since, uh, your driving is great at gyroscoping and, and all that fun stuff. Would you ever consider protecting your tires, uh, from, from undercutter bots that would perhaps rip them out? Yes. Uh, actually the, the new design, uh, it had enclosed wheels. Um, wow. yep. And they were, uh, protected by, uh, our, uh, by, by like maybe, a a, a inch of UHMW. So yeah, that was one of the things is we uh we were protecting our wheels in the new design. Um yeah, I mean that's cool. That's interesting. I I would be very curious to see how that would work. Obviously, uh you know, protecting your wheels comes with its own set of uh challenges and and fun design issues. So that'll be that'll be cool. It's hard, especially so like the, the there's a reason uh Deep Six is so wide. It's so we can resist the amount of uh procession that we see. Um, and basically what we were going to do is lower the weapon speed, um, so we could spin up quicker, um, and drive even more aggressively. And then we could still have relatively okay handling, even with moving our wheels inside. But the, the cool thing about exposed wheels is you can move them real far away from your center. Um, and you handle way better with your gyroscopic procession. Makes sense. That makes sense. Um, all right, so next question comes from Jesse Mullen, and uh, he, it, it kind of goes along with what you were just talking about. How hard was it to get the frame stiff enough to take those massive verticals and processions from Deep Six? Um, in all of your fights, we've never seen the chassis warp itself into oblivion. Now, I'm not sure if that's actually true, but we have not been able to visibly see it on TV. So <laughs> Jesse's right about that. Yeah, I don't know. I think if we saw like the chassis in slow mo, 
it probably warps quite a bit. Uh, so it, it's all 6061 aluminum. Um, and it is actually the same chassis uh, as the Season 4 Deep Six um, with a lot of modifications, a, a ton of modifications. But a lot of the basic frame rails and stuff are the same. Um, and basically it was designed together as a bolt and key together type chassis. So like it all locked into place and then it was held together by bolts. And this season, since I knew we were going to be taking so much or so, so many hard hits, uh, I had the whole thing welded. So it's a machined, keyed together, bolted together and welded together chassis out of aluminum. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it held up really well. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, so next question from Logan Jones. What would your dream opponent for Deep Six be, past or present? Uh, I mean, I, I think huge was my old answer. Uh, yeah. Just because they were they were at the perfect height for us to blast into. But honestly, any any opponent with high-up features, I would really like to fight, uh, pardon my French, um with deep six i think that would be a really cool fight you know because they have really high up components yeah watching that drum like that blast apart might be really fun too <laughs> yeah oh, I, it would be similar to the axe backwards fight maybe yeah yeah exactly exactly um, but yeah i mean I, I would like to fight anyone the the what deep six has never seen as a horizontal uh, but I'm gonna be honest, we're not equipped at all to handle <laughs> horizontal. You like, don't got a you don't got a like four foot long wedge back there somewhere. Hell no! Yeah, yeah, we're <laughs> dude. We are 250 pounds on the dot every single way in. We don't have we don't have the weight for any special magic attachments or anything like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, the the new one did have uh uh a plan for horizontals at least. But yeah, old deep six, like that was the thing. Like if we ever got put up against a horizontal and I guess it's fitting that we lost against Ribot. But uh yeah, we like if we got put up against Megabyte, we would get shredded. Yeah. And I they they wanted to grudge match us at the end too. And I was like, uh I don't I don't know if I want to do this, man. <laughs> you know? Like I like they would yeah, they would destroy us. That's probably why they wanted to do it. But yes, absolutely. <laughs> Um, all right, so the next question from Logan. How many Beetleweights would it take to beat Depth Charge? Uh, I mean, uh, maybe one more than what I fought against in the, <laughs> in the Rumble. I mean, because they, they had me, you know? They, 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 there's a couple of points where they had me in the corner, and I was able to at least get spun up. But, you know, <laughs> if they would have, you know, jammed a Beetleweight into the belt drive, that, that could have done it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it got close a couple of times there. It really did. It really oh, did. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, oh god, I can't, I can't lose this one, man. Uh, all right. So we have a friend of the pod, outside the box host, Christine Giver, um, asks, "Did you think it was possible to get huge that high up into the air? Do you have a measurement of how high it was?" Oh man. So I didn't even see it. So like, y you know, during a fight, you're so honed into your own machine, like. I'm basically staring at Deep Six the whole time, and the other robot is kind of in my periphery because I have to uh, pay attention to how far I'm tilting over in my turns because if I just maximum rotate my robot, I'll just flip over and hit the ground. So I'm watching Deep Six so closely. I wasn't even watching Huge when they flew up in the air. Um, so it was really cool to see on TV. 
afterwards um yeah i i have no idea um i would like to see some slow-mo that hit i think it was really cool i think some of the photographers got some really good shots of that yeah yeah it was beautiful i mean it was a really great like on on tv it looked fantastic it really did um all right editor's note outside of the box is a great BattleBots interview show check it out on youtube if you haven't done so already she does a fantastic job by the way yeah um, i need to go uh do their podcast next yeah yeah she's really cool she's a really cool person um all right so next question comes from BattleBot super fan will han um so the control you had driving deep six this year was mind boggling considering the gyro from that weapon at what point did you begin to realize you could use the gyro for a pivot and walk like a gyro walker yeah no that's a really i mean that's a really cool thing that he picked up on that we also realized in the season was uh we could step kind of on top of the other opponent uh and hit them from the top um so yeah it was yeah, and, and I only realized that when I started just driving more aggressively, because we actually, I, I, I'm pretty happy with how our drivetrain worked out. You know, we have about uh, like 10 horsepower per side, so 20 horsepower total on the drive, and it's really lightweight. Um, and yeah, we got to flex that a bit, and that was a cool thing. Yeah, just we can get on top of them and, you know, flip our weapon into them. Um, it was just a really cool thing that I don't think a lot of other uh verticals can do besides us so i think that, that was something that we really wanted to explore with the new design um we, we got a little bit of an answer to his second question earlier but i'm gonna ask it because he words it in such a funny way also how brown were trey's pants when deep six tumbled towards the walls after those big hits <laughs> uh yeah i think trey hates us <laughs> i think trey hates. i'm pretty sure trey hates us just because yeah, he's he's the arena guy. He's the safety guy. Yeah. And Deep Six is everything against that. So that's probably a lot of the reason why we uh were rejected this season. Yeah, worried about his walls, worried about the the poly getting and for them switching out the poly is a big deal. Yeah, it's not like yes, yeah, speaking again about the Norwalk arena again is yeah, they have to I'm pretty sure they have to disassemble the entire arena to replace those panels. Whereas Norwalk, they can replace a panel in about 15 minutes. And that's just an interior panel, so no big deal. Yeah, yeah, because Norwalk, the Norwalk Arena has an interior, like, uh, it's it's metric, but about three-eighths thick panel. And then the exterior one's, like, uh, thicker than that. It's a little over half an inch. And then, um, you know, the internal one's just kind of there to absorb all the kinetic energy. So when you get to the outside one, if you get to the outside one, you don't have much spin left in your weapon before you get there. Right. The BattleBots Arena, I believe they're all kind of keyed together, so you do have to like do a whole row if you're going to switch out one, um, which stinks. Like that's so much time, especially when you're doing that for TV. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a yeah, it's a, it's not cost effective to do it that way. But I mean, they've had that same arena so long, it's really hard to change it right now without spending a ton of money to change that entire arena. You know. Because, uh, yeah, the, the amount of money it takes, especially with COVID and everything and the Lexan prices rising. Oh, yeah. The amount of money and, like, time and design work that it would change, that it would cost to change the battle box right now would be immense. Yeah, I mean, it was a huge expense to redo that floor. Absolutely massive expense to redo that floor. And, yeah, changing the entire design on how the walls work would be completely unfeasible at this point, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that really ridiculous question, Will. We appreciate you. Uh, we're going to move on to Drew Monteith. Um, 
So he says, hey, Dustin, congratulations on your impressive run this year. As a fan of the original Nightmare, I love seeing you and your team advance the idea of huge vertical spinners by adding reliability into the equation. Um, would you mind explaining to us the differences between the three blades we have seen Deep Six use so far? Okay, so the, the original blade, uh, that was the one with all the holes in it. That one was uh, like a, an inch and a quarter thick, and it weighed originally uh, about 120 pounds. Uh, but then, <laughs> then I had to water jet all these holes into it. And that's what ended up being a hundred pounds. Cause I, I mean, I was 270 pounds when I showed up to the competition, but I would have been, you know, like 300 pounds had I not done that change. Um, so that was the original bar. Awesome. Awesome bar. I loved it. Um, but I could not make it 80 pounds with the new rules. So, uh, developed two new bars. Uh, there's the Reaper bar. Um, which has the sort of sickle scythe looking tips. Um, and the yeah, whole, that's a cool looking bar. Thank you. Yeah, the whole the whole idea of that was so we could uh, maximize bite, and also we could um, use our self riding mode as kind of like a lifter flipper mode. Um, so even if we didn't have our high speed, we could box in on someone and lift and flip and dig with those the super long tips and, you know, dig and flip. Yeah. Kind of uh, like similar to what Mammoth does, probably obviously with not as, without as much like launch power as Mammoth has, but like similar style or similar thought process. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like a Mammoth mode, like a weak Mammoth mode. But it, yeah, it, the whole point of that thing was to, to stick and rip up. Um, yeah, and it ended up uh, being kind of a failure and that it, we got stuck in the wall a lot with that. Um, and then the asymmetrical... Uh, the, 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 I think they called it an anchor bar. Um, we had a couple names where we called it an anchor or a key or whatever. Um, that whole thing was, we just, I, I just really like asymmetricals in general. And I th thought it would be foolish to have something, uh, or to, to not have an asymmetrical or to not have another plan other than the Reaper bar. So I designed that pretty quickly. Um, and that was all made by Senkat Send. Um, and it was two pieces of half inch bolted together and then welded together. Um, and even though it was bolted and welded together, huge actually split it in half. Uh, they got a perfect hit in the center of that bar and they busted all of my bolts and they busted the welds on that weapon. So we are still spinning, but that, yeah, that weapon is destroyed. That's awesome. <laughs> all right. So let's uh, go to harvester builder and Norwalk havoc pit wrangler, Ryan Hunter. Um, what is the next rule to be created because of one of your bots? If you had a rule that you wanted to bust in BattleBots, what would the next one be? A rule that I want to bust? I don't know. I, I I don't think I know anything off top hand. I think there's a lot of really cool stuff uh, that can be exploited with magnets. Uh, I know that uh, there's this. I think it was. I think it was a season three, season two, season one. One of the early early robots was called Roadkill, and they were trying to do linear induction motors on their BattleBot. Um, and I, I was trying to make my own linear induction motors for a little while, um, but that would be just a really cool thing to get into because you would just get so much immense power. Um, uh, basically, if people don't know about it, linear induction motor is like the same type of thing that runs like maglev trains or like the super fast launch uh, roller coasters and stuff. And basically, you're using uh, mm -hmm. uh, a long uh, 
magnet array and that would react with the metal floor and you'd basically have unlimited traction and unlimited power um but i think i think that's something really cool that would uh be fun to exploit with metal metal floors yeah for sure um all right so next question comes from brandon bennett young uh he says hey dustin always a, a pleasure competing with you and kudos on the family yes agreed to that a thousand percent um so what overlaps do you see being in the Navy and fighting robots? Uh, does one help the other in any way? Uh, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> both my jobs are extremely different from each other. Um, yeah, I would guess a general uh, mechanical inclination helps with both. Uh, like if I'm repairing a, a submarine or something, like knowing knowing how fasteners work, knowing how to get, like, cause a lot of the times we have to deal with, uh, really screwed up bolt heads and submarines, um, knowing how to get those out. And we deal with that a lot in combat robots, like a completely destroyed thread or completely destroyed bolt head, something like that. Um, other than that, they're extremely different. All right. So I have two more questions for you. We're going to start with a salty question from Yeti team member, James Arluck. Um, who asks, what happened to your post-fight interviews? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. And I think they were they were upset at the arena damage. They're like, we don't want to talk to this guy. I, I thought I had some pretty good post-fight interviews. I can't believe they cut those. I, I don't think the editor had any. I mean, unless they're they're doing double duty over there and making the whale ride uh, also clean up the floor. But um... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> All right, and then our last question I'm going to ask from Mike Stropkovich Jr., a.k.a. Mr. Psycho on YouTube. Um, do I have to see the first five deep robots to enjoy and understand Deep Sick? <laughs> no, you, <laughs> you, you need no introduction for Deep Sick. No, it, it introduces itself just fine. <laughs> um, all right, so Dustin, before we uh, sign off, do you have any sponsors you want to shout out for us on the show today? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, send cut send. Uh, they were awesome. They uh, provided all of our or a lot of our uh, uh, laser cut components. You know, they do really great work at a super good and rapid price. Uh, we also have Henson shaving, uh, the best razors that you can buy. I use one every day. Uh, Rocky Mountain Water Jet and Laser. Uh, they were the ones who cut some of our really thick weapon bars. Super high quality laser for thick components. Um, and then uh, Max Amps, they were the ones who uh, provided our batteries. Heck yeah, we love Max Amps around here too. Um, thank you so much for talking with us today, Dustin. We can't wait to see whatever you get into the Battle Box again soon. Uh, you are always welcome here on the show. And hey, if nothing else, uh, maybe I'll see you at Norwalk. Yeah, absolutely. I'm probably going to be out of it for a little while, but you'll see me here and there for sure. Yeah, I heard you gotta you gotta uh, bring some humans into the world. That's a pretty noble uh, noble pursuit, anyway. So there you go. Well, I'm I'm, I'm building I'm building my new team from the ground up. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're traveling to Palo Alto, California, Luke's hometown, where researchers at Stanford University have built a humanoid robot 
capable of diving hundreds of feet underwater to carry out exploration missions. Also like Luke. (laughs) Ocean 1K can dive up to 3,300 feet deep, roughly three times deeper than the world record set by human divers. The robot also has haptic sensors in its hands, which give its human operator an accurate representation of what objects feel like on the bottom of the ocean. Also like Luke. Uh, it recently completed a dive 20 miles off the coast of France to reach the wreckage of La Lune, a 600-person wooden warship that sank in the year 1664. I actually have a lot of questions. I wish uh, that we had talked to Dustin about this, as I know he too is a is a deep-sea diver. Yeah, but can he go 3,300 feet deep? Not without a submarine, I'd imagine, no. <laughs> Um, this robot is super cool. I really wish that we could like watch its adventures on a children's television show at all times. Duvia la lune. So Evelyn, I wanted to ask you if you could be a robot that could swim all the way to the bottom of the ocean, what would you try to find down there? Seashells. Oh, yeah, that would probably be pretty cool. Would you like to operate this robot? It se- it sounds like you can feel what the seashells feel like with your hands when you operate it. Pikachu too, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, I thought that this is what we train dolphins for. Isn't that, is that still a thing? Uh, I'm pretty sure we trained those to like look for uh, booby traps on our submarines. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know. If, I don't know if we train them to uh, go exploring in uh, ancient ship ruins, which is a cool thing to train dolphins for, but I don't think we've done that yet. It's because they can't hold the clipboard. Mm, yes, that makes sense. Yeah, the, the poor dolphins from World War II. You know, just like we're, we're going to, to train them and, and you know, they're going to explode countless times, you know, and we're just going to keep catching dolphins and having them swim alongside our fleets. It's awful. All right. We tried to recruit the dolphins after World War II in Vietnam, but they each said, ah, ah. <laughs> That was awful and awesome. Thank you. We missed you, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably because of their political beliefs around Vietnam, and that's that's understandable. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, that's about it for us today. We want to thank Nicole for doing such a great job editing this week's episode. We'll be back in your feed next week with another mystery guest. We'll see you then, folks. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> there once was a bot who's from the sea. The name of the bot was the Kraken of Teeth. The lights went up, the buzzer sounds, although my scaly girl go. Soon may the spinner man come to knock her teeth right from her gums. She'll take her teeth and go She'd not been two weeks from shore When out did come her metal jaw The captain called all hands and swore He'd take that spinner in tow <gasps> Soon may the spinner man come To knock her teeth right from her gums One day when the fighting is done She'll take her teeth and